Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. I'm your host, Precious D. And I am your other host, Honeybee. Honeybee, today we are discussing Varen the Unbelievable, the U.S. version Boo. from 1962. Boo. Uh, friends, normally we just take these movies in chronological order, but we're going to jump ahead to 1962 because this is the U.S. version of the movie we discussed last week, Varen the Unbelievable. As we discussed last week, but in case you weren't here, this was a Toho Japanese production, a Shiro Honda, all those people that you know from those movies. Mm-hmm. This was originally meant to be for American, co-produced for American television. It was going to be three half-hour episodes, but then the American company folded partway through production and it turned into a movie that got a theatrical release in Japan. And then four years later, Uh, got a re-edit, got a Wikipedia described it as uh, localized, was heavily localized. Is that how they describe it? I would call it Americanized, but maybe other countries also do this. So the general term would be localized. I believe it it still just went to American television. I don't think it got a theatrical release, but they... This movie, it's, it's almost a completely different movie. It is a completely different movie. There's really no almost to it, in my opinion. They only used a few minutes. Let me see if Wikipedia tells me. American version. Produced by Jerry A. Berowitz. Also directed new footage uh, with Myron Healy. He plays the uh, American dude. Uh, he's a guy who did a lot of, like, westerns and stuff on TV. Mm-hmm. New story was written by Sid Harris. Oh my God. If Akubi's music was replaced with cues from the amazing Colossal Man. God damn it. (laughs) Here's what I was looking for. The American version features only 15 minutes of the original Japanese footage and does not credit any of the Toho crew. Wow. Ishiro Honda did not know about this version's existence until the 1980s. That's insane. How? I suppose it must have all been done legally, but nobody bothered to just call him and tell him. Just, you know, the accountants and everybody worked out all the details, but nobody. I mean, it had been four years and I, he doesn't know what's on American TV. Yeah, but such garbage. I was hoping, like, I was like, I hope this is better than the American version of Godzilla, but at least they kind of kept the same story. Like, fuck. Yes, Godzilla King of Monsters keeps the same basic plot as Godzilla. It just, it it searches Raymond Burr and it rearranges things a little, but it keeps the same basic plot. This is very different. Very different. Wikipedia says that author Stuart Galbraith IV claimed that an English dubbed version was produced by Toho. However, evidence of such a version has never surfaced. What? So it's 
so then who so they were just like well we'll just make this piece of shit yeah i i don't know why they felt the need to do this it would have been so much cheaper and better to just dub it because whitey gonna white yeah so the american version has myron healy as commander james bradley Tsuroko Kobayashi as Anna Bradley, Clifford Kawada as Captain Kishi, and Derek Shimatsu as Matsu. And I think there's one or two soldiers who are in the Japanese version that are not in, I mean, in the American version that are not yeah. in the Japanese version. Yeah. Uh, but they, I don't have any credit for them. This version starts off with an evacuation and a headquarters meeting and buildings falling and villagers running. We don't see the monster. There's just a lot of clips from different parts of the original all pieced together. Yeah. And then a shot of the ceremony and the idol and then the title, Varen the Unbelievable and credits. Screenplay by Sid Harris. Uh, our man Myron Healy here as Commander James Bradley serves as the narrator of the movie as well as the character, similar to what Raymond Burr did in Godzilla. But he's uh, he's like reading his basically journal like throughout this. It's yeah. very it's very like Carol Baskin in the Tiger King two. For <laughs> those of you that have watched that garbage, um, when she's just like reading her journal in the Tiger King two. Oh, oh, baby. Oh, they've gone so far at this point. It's it's just... I mean, I knew they were... Uh, I haven't watched... I, I've only oh. watched the original. I haven't watched any of the... You did watch the original? I did, yes. Okay, well, then you have to watch Tiger King 2. There's a whole other <laughs> season because it, it... it Okay, we don't... It, this isn't a Tiger King um, podcast, but you need to watch this. If you, <laughs> if you watched the first one, you need to watch the second one because if you were wondering, like, wow where does this go why are there no good people in this like this is just like a burning trash dumpster fire watch the second season because you have no fucking idea (laughs) (laughs) it does seem just from that first season that anybody who's involved with tigers because there's that that third guy they do a little bit about anyone who does this is just a trash person. Yeah, they even made a, a, the other guy, Doc Antle, they made a whole thing, Tiger King, the Doc Antle story, about what a piece of shit he is, too. So, I mean, yeah, get on it. You have to watch it. Uh, all right. Meanwhile, back at Monster Movie Funtime, go. A, a voice, we don't know yet who it is, a narrator tells us that we're at the island of Kishimirashima, which is not a real island, which has <laughs> one modern city, Oneida, and the rest is little villages. And he's been sent... None of this made any sense to me. Yeah, same. I put I, Whitey, was sent under the Japanese government. <laughs> yeah, he's been sent sent by the Japanese government to do something called Operation Shizuka. I should have looked up what Shizuka means, but I didn't. I don't know if that's a name or if it, mean, it has something to do with what he's doing. But why is this American... Sent yeah. by the Japanese. Oh yeah. Oh, it gets. Oh, it gets so bad. We find out that he's not actually a narrator. He is dictating a letter that's not actually a letter. It's a log entry to his wife slash secretary. You forgot to put house in front of wife. Housewife. Housewife. Secretary. <laughs> and 
He mentions Captain uh, Mazataki Kishi, the Japanese commander. The letter's addressed to him, or he just mentions him? But then he closes with this day, the 5th of October, 1959. Signed, and then the woman speaks up. Commander James L. Brandon, USN. Uh, God damn it. Okay, so, and this is about their proposed oceanography test. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, okay, let me just step back for a minute. So, Brad, Commander James, Jim, is an American military scientist who holds the rank of commander, who is working with or for or over the Japanese military slash government. Mm -hmm. This was released in 1963, but he tells us it's taking place in 1959. He gives, you know, he tells us the date. Mm -hmm. The American occupation of Japan ended, I think in 1952 or 53. The occupation is over. So he's not in charge but he's working for them. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me, the the structure of this experiment. Mm-hmm. I think it's all just bullshit because we got to have an American. Yeah. Uh, but obviously he has married a local Japanese woman. It's uh, the actress. It may be Japanese American. I don't know, but she, she speaks English well, but she clearly has an accent. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, I don't think English is her first language, unless the actress is putting on an accent. I don't know. But he's obviously some guy that was part of the occupation at one point, met a local girl and married her. This movie is so goddamn sexist. It, well, I mean, it's not. Uh, it's a, it, There's a lot wrong with this movie. There's a, it's a, oh. I just find it so weird that the Japanese version of this movie is more progressive vis-a-vis feminism than the american version what do you mean I, why do you find it weird well it's it just i i i don't think japan historically has a reputation for being terribly feminist especially at this time mm-hmm. you know the the wife of the emperor has to walk 10 feet behind him and yeah things like that again i'm not an expert in japanese culture i just know a little bit here and there i'm not saying it's a sexist culture i'm just mm-hmm. saying in 1959 to 1964 i find it interesting that the japanese films are seem more progressive than the then, American films. Yeah. At least these two versions of this film. Right, right, right. Because in the American movies that we've been watching so far, they do tend to be fairly progressive. Mm-hmm. They feature lots of independent women with their own careers who don't need a man, but not this one. <laughs> she is just very much, um, I want to be a good housewife and can I make you a sandwich? And he is very willing to let her do that. There's some also really strange things that he like calls her, says to her throughout yes. the movie. That's like, oh, oh, uh, what? I mean, he's not, he's not the worst. Obviously, he's not a drunk. He's not beating her. It's not anything like that. It's just all very. He's very condescending and patronizing, and calls her little one at one point yeah which i wasn't sure if i should be offended or like turned on i was like that's kind of hot a little bit 
But the the movie does not treat any of this critically in any way. He is presented as if he's a hero of some kind when he's not. He's not at all. He's horrible. In fact. He's the fucking <laughs> worst. <laughs> Yeah, but be, because because though the history of the you know the war and the American occupation of Japan and all, it does kind of seem like this movie accidentally ends up being a lot more political than you would expect from just this cheap ass re-edit of a Japanese movie. <laughs> but it's hard to know if any of that is intentional. Well, intentions are <sighs> relevant when you're being a. Racist, uh, racist well, I mean, intentional, not by the character, obviously not by the character, but uh, <laughs> intentional by the director. Well, like the character, like he, like you know, in the in the in the J- Japanese version, we talked about how the guy was being kind of a shit because he was saying like the natives were primitive and yada yada. Well, it's way more offensive coming from this like white dude who's like, oh, yeah. this religious mumbo jumbo. Um, he like, yeah. he's just, he, he, the way that he talks about the natives and the, the culture, it's so much more offensive. For, yeah. He's very, him. he's very, he's, real he's very condescending and acting like, I mean, he's not mean or hateful or anything, but he does just have a general patronizing At one point, toward. he literally says about the natives, they're simple, use force. <laughs> what all right so well let's uh let's get into the details of what this piece of shit is doing he's proposed an oceanography test they want to test some sort of chemical desalinization technique in a saltwater lake Mm -hmm. there is no such thing i don't see how such a thing is possible there's a few different ways you can desalinize water i don't think dumping a bunch of chemicals into it is a any way to do it i couldn't find anything about such a thing being possible so this whole movie is just fucking nonsense mm-hmm. and so he then he tells her at this point now you enter those notes in the log book like a good secretary and she says and start getting dinner like a good housewife with no hint of sarcasm whatsoever <laughs> this is <laughs> this is a normal conversation yeah yes this is uh, his wife Anna, who is the sort of, she is very much the stereotype of a subservient Japanese woman that may or may not exist in reality, but so far we have not seen in the movies actually coming out of Japan. Right. And so here it is in this American movie, which just does make it just seem very racist. Yeah. yeah. But the plan is to evacuate the village to another island. Because the lake will be contaminated after the test. What the fuck? Why are you doing this test then that's going to contaminate the these lake? People's water, this, these, these people's food source. Yeah, but it's a saltwater lake. So somehow it's getting, it's on an island, but it's getting fed from the ocean or something. I don't know. In the original, the lake was in the middle of, of Japan. And I don't think they mentioned if it was saltwater or not. This whole movie is about desalinization. Mm -hmm. But Anna is concerned for the villagers, and James uses the greater good argument on her. Yeah, we're going to ruin these people's lives, move them to a completely different island, but we're going to do something that's going to help millions of people, so fuck these natives. And then we meet 
Japanese Panchito Matsu. Oh, Matsu. Matsu. He's really cute. Little Panchito Matsu. Is, he, he, uh, he roars and he's wearing a mask. We did see some of these, these, uh, Varen masks in the original movie. Mm-hmm. There is a moment like this in the original where some kid yeah. wearing a mask goes, rah, and starts. There is people. a moment exactly like this, but this, they turned it into American bullshit. This mask part. They have hired a kid from the nearby village. It must be the same village they're about to evacuate. <laughs> they have hired this kid to help around the house to do chores. Apparently, he's really shitty at it because he's always running off to village to check on his sister. And they're, they're, I don't know. Their attitude towards this kid is weird. They're just constantly teasing him about him not doing his work, but they don't get actually angry about it. They're always kind of doing it with a wink and a smile. So it does seem like they've just taken pity on this poor local kid and are throwing some money at him for pretending to work. But I don't know why, because he's not really Japanese Panchito in that he does not end up affecting the plot in any way. <laughs> he is not Japanese Panchito. <laughs> Oh, sorry, that made me laugh. <laughs> oh. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've not been listening to the show <laughs> from the beginning, what the fuck is wrong with you? But if that is the case, Panchito was a character in the Beast of Hollow Mountain. So he was uh, first he was Panchito and then he was Juanito. <laughs> yes, same actor as Juanito in the Black Scorpion. And he is a little bit of an archetype for these kind of movies, because I think we do see more of this kind of stuff as we mm-hmm. go forward. But unlike Panchito and Juanito, this Matthew. child does not end up being important at all. <laughs> so I don't know why he's here. I felt like it was kind of a shitty thing, because in the original and the Japanese version, when we have this moment, um, you know, this mask is supposed to be of this god. And in this moment yeah. that we have in this in this American version, he's like, "I'm doing American Halloween." Like that's right. I was like, "Oh yes. my gosh!" Like, what the fuck? Because not, Japanese right? culture itself has no reason to put on a mask. I must be imitating American culture. <sighs> Damn it! Yeah, and then the next thing I heard this, I think someone says drums. Maybe like drums or something. I just I heard someone say drums, but it sounded like they said drugs. I had to turn oh. my I had to turn my caption on. Like, did someone just say drugs? Like, what the hell? Honeybee heard drugs and said, "What?" Like a dog <laughs> that hears a noise, huh? <laughs> Squirrel. <sighs> but they've hired this local kid to do chores, and I wrote down child labor laws. Apparently, none. None. Not a one. But this is where your drums come in. They cut to the uh, native ceremony. So it's a piece of original footage. And the drums wake... I wrote, the drums wake up Whitey. (laughs) Someone is sneaking around. So James gets up because the drums have woken him up. He gets up out of bed and goes outside and is kind of pacing around. And somebody is sneaking around and a native tries to strangle him. I was so confused here. Like, what? Why were you confused? Well, because I'm like, this is not the right movie. Like, I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I see. It just didn't seem to fit 
with the the type of movie we're supposed to be watching yeah, assassination like, attempt yeah i was i was kind of bummed after a while like because the first one i felt like it was so long i was like man i i don't really want to watch this movie over again but it was not even close to the same movie and right about this <laughs> point i'm just like is it, it like i just kind of had given up at this point that this movie is going to be any sort of similar like any sort of the same <laughs> thing to the other movie right but the but it it does sort of make sense though that this att- assassination attempt would happen because this asshole's trying to force them out of their village, yeah. So he can poison their lake, yeah. So he can po- their sacred lake, by the way. Mm-hmm. Because I think somebody actually says that at some point, and I'm like, how was this allowed to happen? Not only do they say that, but then the same guy, like the the guy that he is talking to him, the Japanese guy, says, "Sorry, sir, I forget that you're in charge." To the white dude. Yeah. Right. Even though earlier he said, I've been sent here by the Japanese guy. Well, he's in charge of the project. But I find it odd that this was even allowed to happen in the first place. But on the other hand, here in America, people try to drive pipelines through sacred native lands. And there is protest, but the plan still, you know, somebody planned it. Somebody knew where it was going. And it usually ends up going through anyway. Sometimes it gets stopped, but not always. So. Maybe it shouldn't be surprising that this lake is sacred to somebody, but we're going to go ahead and poison it anyway. Yeah. <sighs> but James successfully successfully fights off his attacker who gets away. Anna comes out and he doesn't tell her what happened. Yeah. He just acts like he acts like nothing happened at all. <laughs> it's just so weird because he do, the actor doesn't even act like he's trying to hide something. The scene just proceeds as if nothing had happened. Without a word, yeah. It's now October 10th, and there's a voiceover over the top of footage from the original. The butterfly researchers have now been turned into government officials <laughs> who are trying to persuade the villagers to evacuate. Because Captain Kishi is having trouble evacuating the village because the natives are refusing to move. Right. Evacuating the Koshida natives. I didn't know if Koshida meant was just the name of the village or it was an ethnic group or what. But I've looked it up just now and it just appears to be a last name. Oh, okay. So, uh, so I think the, you know, American writer just picked the Japanese name and I think it's meant to be the name of the village. Oh, okay, okay. I think that's what he, when he says Koshida natives, I think he just means the natives of Koshida village, but it's not clear. Uh, but the, the officials have been brought in to try to persuade them to evacuate to no avail. And then James meets with the captain about the problem and should we use force? Uh, this is this is where he says, well, you're you're uh, in charge here. James is the commanding officer. But as far as I'm concerned, you, Kishi, are in charge of the military end of this operation. Mm-hmm. So I think technically James is in charge of the whole thing, but he's willing to let Kishi make the military decisions. He just cares about the test. So he's going to Kishi decides he's going to send. Basically, we can't. The natives aren't taking us seriously because they're not enough of us to... They know we can't force them to do anything because they have us outnumbered, so I'm going to send for more troops. And James hopes it won't have an adverse effect on the natives, and yet he's going to poison their sacred lake, so 
you know, that's going to have, and <laughs> I just, oh, God damn it. <laughs> Poisoning their sacred lake is going to have an adverse effect on them, forcing them to evacuate and move, what, permanently to another island or mm-hmm. just until the lake is not poison anymore? I don't know, but whatever they do, it's going to have an adverse effect on the natives. But Kishi says once they see more troops, they'll fall right in line. And then James asks about some cases of typhus in the village. And Kishi says, no, the doctor, real life, authorized, actual doctor looked at them and it's just upset stomachs and another excuse not to evacuate. Mm-hmm. So J- James asks, another? And then finally we get some sort of, some sort of Varen reference finally some sort of something finally yeah except that we don't yeah he says the main excuse is obake which he tells us is the japanese word for prehistoric monster (laughs) is it dinosaur i don't know i meant to look that up earlier i will look it up now obake meaning i'm guessing no i'm guessing that this is some shit they just made up oh no hold on Obake are a class of yokai, preternatural creatures in Japan folklore. Literally, the term means a thing that changes, referring to a state of transformation or shape-shifting. That's from Wikipedia, ladies and gentlemen. So it does not mean dinosaur, it's just some creature from folklore. So the writer is just, I mean, at least it is some kind of monster, but it's not what he says it is. God damn it. So, uh, Japanese word, he says it's Japanese word for prehistoric reptile. Sorry, not monster, reptile, which is a dinosaur. And that they worship a lake monster. They've worshipped an imaginary lake monster for generations. Use the term imaginary there is condescending and inaccurate. And the legend says if his experiment is harmful, the monster will awaken and destroy the world. Wait, the legend says if his experiment is harmful or just if harm comes to the lake from any source? I don't know. So I thought, oh, once again, this monster is going to have two different names, Obake and Varen. Except. Yeah. Except. Nobody says the word Varen at any point in this version of the movie. What a ripoff. They never say the word Varen. No. I. Why not just say the name of the monster, the imaginary monster they're worshipping is Varen instead of Obake, if you're going to release this under the title Varen the Unbelievable? I'm so mad at this fucking movie. I'm so mad. I feel like I feel like this is such I just feel like it's such a ripoff. I feel violated. Yeah. <laughs> I feel violated. October 14, Kishi's request for troops and weapons has been widely publicized in the papers. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Obake is in the headline, not Varen. Troops roll in, and James thinks it's overkill, and yet he was okay with the idea. He tells us that the troops have also brought two civilians with them. No, they haven't. They've brought three civilians, and they haven't brought them. They're getting off a bus 
like they did in, in the, the original movie, because <laughs> this is part of the 15 minutes mm-hmm. of the original footage. movie that's in here. Yeah. And he tells us that they are Paul and Shidori Iso. Mm-hmm. So, Kenji and Yuriko, who were not married in the original movie, may or may not have been dating. It was never made explicitly clear. Kenji and Yuriko have now been transformed into a married couple who are both reporters now. Mm-hmm. Which is just more of the sexism of this movie. That rather than her being a, a career woman, an independent, unmarried, single career woman with her own damn life, she's just now Paul's wife. Not just his wife, but she's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, she's Paul's property. She has to be married. In this version, she's got to be married. Yeah. She's got to be part of a couple. And they work together. James compares them to himself and Anna later that they're a a couple who work together just like we are. Uh, Paul and I were old friends, which is like in Godzilla. They try to attach Raymond Burr Mm -hmm. to the rest of the movie by saying he was old friends with Shirazawa. Yeah. Even though they they never, the two old friends have no scenes together in Godzilla. And in this movie, the two old friends, none of the old friends have any scenes together. Mm -hmm. And they tell us that Anna went to school with Shidori. I also don't understand why they went to the trouble of changing their names. Yeah. They could have still used the same names, but they've given them completely different names. Well, it wouldn't make sense if that was the only fucking thing they used from the first one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but it appears that there are very famous reporters because there's an expression in the reporting world of Japan that wherever there's shit going on, the <laughs> ISO family will be there. Yeah, Paul and Shidori will be there. Anna's going to go to the village to see Paul and Shidori, and James says, ask them to stop by. They won't because they're in a different movie. They will not be stopping by later. <laughs> And uh, Matsu is trying to steal a tarp. What? Matsu, James goes over to Matsu and tells him uh, that he expects him to see that canvas. He's messing around with a piece of canvas and he tells him, I expect to see that back over the crates where it belongs. And it seems like he was trying to take this piece of canvas and sneak it off back to his village. It's Mm. very weird. It's very random. He's like, oh, how did you know I was trying to... (laughs) take this shit back to the village because mm-hmm. like, I'm looking at you and you're taking it. <laughs> it's just so weird. Uh, moments later, Anna is back from the village and she seems upset. He's like, oh, why didn't Paul and Shidori come by? Because they're in another fucking movie. Anna's clearly upset and says, I must ask something, but it's not my place as your wife. It's not my place to ask, which just... Ugh. More of this sex. So painful. <laughs> it's so painful. <laughs> yeah. She wants to know, can you find another lake? Can you please conduct and... your fucking test in another lake? Because everyone is talking shit about you. Yeah. And she seems to even question the, why are we even doing this? And he yeah. says, machine, there's machines that can do it. And he says, a machine desalinization is too expensive. Expensive in what sense? More expensive than ruining a lake? 
and the livelihood of this village? The people, what is the cost of that? Yeah, she says that they're saying that he's a cold-hearted tyrant driving innocent natives mm-hmm. from their homes. And he says, well, people gossip. That's just people gossip. Yeah. What? Uh, this is where, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, folks are going to talk. And then here, there's where she says sacred lake, pollute their, pollute their sacred lake. They bring shame to my honorable husband. And then he says, in a very, what's supposed to be loving and caring, but just comes off as condescending. Worse than that, Anna, they bring tears to my wife. (laughs) (sighs) Weather permitting, I will conduct my experiments before dawn. (laughs) He is a fucking cold hearted tyrant driving innocent natives from their homes. He. But then he stops halfway through his dictation and runs off to go see Kishi. And they talk about the bad publicity. And Kishi didn't realize that sending for more troops would... uh, And James cuts him off. Turn me into an ogre? Like, nah, you were already an ogre. Yeah, he's like, why do people care that I'm driving them out of their homes for an experiment that I can conduct anywhere, that I can conduct somewhere else? I literally just said... I could conduct anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, the, oh, this lake is just the right size and the right temperature and blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, but people are using it. Uh, plus, there's a big ass monster at the bottom of it. But uh, <laughs> but he, he tells Kishi, don't evacuate the village. Just keep them away from the lake. And some shit about... They can just gather, have the army help do some hunting and gathering. There's a lot of food in the wilderness. The army can gather it up and get yeah, it to Yeah, separate them. from our own Rather, rations. Yeah. Never mind just shipping in some trucks full of food. We'll just make all these army guys who maybe don't have experience with this go out and gather up <laughs> wild food in the forest. Uh and Kishi thanks him for restoring proper balance, yeah. putting oh, things back in balance. Thank you for saving us from you. Yes. God. <laughs> well, but this is part of the thing, though. It does seem like it's all his fault. It, and yet the Japanese government, according to his opening narration, the Japanese government ordered him to go here. Mm-hmm. But it also seems that he was the one responsible for picking the location. Whatever's going on, the government is on board, but they are letting him call the shots. So I I don't know. Oh, it just seems very American to be like, yeah. this oh, is yeah, your no. land. Well, I need to do this experiment on it. So get yeah. off. Yeah. No, I think this movie, this movie is a racist movie. It's not a movie with racist characters in it. It's not a movie about racism. I think the movie is racist because it doesn't really present James as if he is wrong. It is not commenting on James's behavior in such a way as to make it clear that he is in the wrong because nobody ever, he, uh, he doesn't really get called on it. He doesn't learn anything from what he's done. He's just a condescending prick. It's not as racist as it could be. He's not hateful or mean or vicious. The Japanese aren't being portrayed as foolish or stupid or inferior, but he's just 
he's patronizing. But he's very, very nicely and kindly ripping lots of families from their homes and taking their food source. And he, everyone is completely fucking cool with that. For the greater good. For the greater good. (laughs) I just, they haven't made it clear that, that there's a big freshwater shortage that it's imperative we develop this new desalinization. The thing is they have all this footage of people shooting chemicals into a lake. So they need to fit it in with this American. So why is this American here? He's here to shoot the chemicals into the lake. (laughs) Okay. To save everybody. Yeah. We get a brief clip from the original of soldiers unloading crates and Paul and Shidori watching part of the native ceremony. The day of the anti-salinization test, soldiers are launching chemical cylinders that in the original were meant to lure Varen out of the lake, but in this one are just, you know, the, are the experiment, are the reason we're here. It's going to take 24 hours to saturate the entire lake and then dead fish float up. And he's like, oh, make a note of this. A chemical is toxic or to the <laughs> saltwater fish. Of course, it's toxic to the fish because they're saltwater fish and you're trying to desalinate the water. <laughs> so even if it weren't just straight up toxic, you're changing their environment and it's going to kill them. God damn it. Yep. And then he's like, that's it for today. And I was like, damn. Yep. Still no Varen. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. He has done nothing but just piss me off. <laughs> more. There's more narration from James about the test. And if the bottom residue is not clear, then the chemical will dilute and more will need be needed. This test makes no sense to me. So he's testing the water. I think he's taking samples from the bottom to see if the chemical has dissipated down or sunk down to the bottom level of the lake, but all he's getting is nothing but mud and sand. Ah, the chemicals. Oh, he, he has a little hissy Chipper fit. Tantrum. This is like his, I don't, I don't know, fourth, fifth sample he's taken. And all he's getting is nothing but mud and sand. And he has a little bit of a fit. And his wife tells him to take a, take a nap, Mr. Grumpy Pants. <laughs> <laughs> and he decides to just lean up against her chest and take a nap right there. Yep. And as he's dozing off, mumbles about, oh, something must be stirring up the mud in the sand, an underwater tremor, or (laughs) maybe it's that silly monster those dumb, ignorant natives are on about. God damn. And I was like, oh, here he comes, because he said that. And then I was like, yeah, never mind. Still no. But, well, but in a minute, he's about to come because it's a night and the water stirs and that 26 minutes and 57 seconds into this 70 minute movie, we get a glimpse of a foot that's causing tremors as it walks and Mm -hmm. a soldier sees Varen. Varen's foot. Yeah. And then shoots at it (laughs) and then drops dead from fright. Yep. I think the reason he just faints dead away is because there's no budget to 
show the monster <laughs> stepping on him or anything. Yeah. So th- so they just need to have him fall down dead. Like a fainting goat. We we find out that this is Private Zeki as James and Kishi find him and examine him. And James is like, look at his expression. He looks like he was frightened to death. And I he looks perfectly fine. He's just laying there yeah. peacefully <laughs> as if he just died in his sleep. Died. He does yeah. not at all look like he died of fright. But the next day, Kishi's men have discovered a gigantic footprint. And no, James has no idea how it got there. But he's starting to put the pieces together. The mud stirring, the dead guy, the giant footprint, double the patrol around the lake. And we see a bunch of tanks and trucks and soldiers. And they look like they're setting up to fight, not like they're just patrolling the lake. Because this is just some footage from the original movie that is being repurposed and doesn't really fit with the narrative. Yeah. Has he also already said uh, that he wants to send Anna back to Tokyo? That's my next sentence here. Jane sending Anna to Tokyo, but he won't say why. Just be a good girl. (laughs) But then it's too late. Because we immediately hear some gunfire from the tanks. Now I want you to just be a good girl. God damn you. Listen to daddy. Be a good girl. (laughs) Baron is rising from the lake. Kishi drives up and says, come with me if you want to live. Come with me if you want to live. He doesn't literally say that, but he's like, uh, <laughs> shit's going down. Get in, the, get, in the ju- get in the Jeep and we're going to go up the canyon where it's safe. Varen is slowly coming out of the lake and we Very start cutting, cutting between original footage and the Jeep driving away. And then Varen goes back down. Yeah, I said, oh, I said, okay, now here he comes. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Wrong again. <laughs> Wrong again. Uh, So James orders them to keep watch at high points around the lake. Five hours later, and Jim's saying to Kishi, why don't you go ahead and say it? Oh, you want me to say it? Uh, God damn it. What did I write? (laughs) (laughs) Bingo. (laughs) Honeybee, what did he say here? I have no idea. Has firing, but... (laughs) Bazooka's firing. Oh, Bazooka's firing. <laughs> Buzz. Bazooka's. But what was it that he was that he was going to go ahead and come out and say? I don't fucking know. I have uh, no idea. I don't. Uh, I don't remember now. I guess it wasn't important. None of this the important. next thing I have written down is that the monster sounds in this movie are... Not as good. <laughs> uh, but J- Jim and <laughs> Jim and Kishi go running to see what what the shooting's about, and Jim yells at Anna to get back in the cave because you know be a good girl, get back in yeah, the cave because he's a sexist dick like that. Varen's rising <laughs> up again. There's lots of shooting. Villagers running. Kishi's on the radio. Nothing will stop it. Varen gets the priest. Like he did, but in this version, we really haven't seen the priest much. We don't know anything about him. He just, you know, it's the part where he's shaking the sticks at him, praying. But in this part, we don't see. They don't bother to translate any of the Japanese dialogue in this movie. 
They don't dub it. They don't subtitle it. So we don't know that the priest is saying, forgive them. We don't know anything. He just kills them. The army falls back. Everybody's running away. James tells Keisha to call Oneida Airport and send all the planes and the naval craft. And I want Mr. and Mrs. Paul Iso evacuated. Yeah, it's so fucked up because... He's like, oh, no, we can't save the village. And she's like, but my friends are over uh, there. And he's yeah. like, well, we could save your friends. Yep. <laughs> like, it just the, peop- the two people, the two people I know personally are important. So I am going oh. to misuse my authority to get them priority over everybody else. Wow. wow. Not appropriate. Wow. We- <sighs> Shots of the plane and the headquarters and... Stuff is being said, but we don't know what it is because they won't translate it. But also, it's not going to relate to this version of the story anyway, the things that they're saying. Mm -hmm. It's pretty funny, though. I think if at some point there must have been, there must somewhere have been a person who speaks Japanese watching this version who's going, that's not what they're saying. They're not talking about what he says. They're, (laughs) They're talking about something completely different from what he's saying. So, so hopefully that was amusing for whoever that person is or was. Jim tells Anna, if no help comes soon, the village will be destroyed. And he is worried about Paul and Shidori and she's worried about Paul and Shidori and Matsu. I don't think we see Matsu again. Uh-uh. May, maybe he got killed. They never address it. Yeah. Varen wrecks the village. Kishi reports that half the village is wiped out. Anna blames herself. Yeah, she says, it's all my fault. And Douche Canoe says, no one is to blame for this. You, you, sir, are yes, to blame for this. exactly. But she thinks it's her fault because he wanted to, oh, God damn it. He wanted to evacuate the village, but I stopped him. Therefore, it's yeah, my but, fault. But she originally said... Can't you do it somewhere else? Do you have to do it here? Exactly. Well, I mean, this is the kind of person she is. She's clearly a much better person than than him in that she is ready to take responsibility for the part she's played in this, but he is not taking responsibility for the part he played, which is all the part. It's all his (laughs) fault. Which is all the part. The village would not have had to evacuate at all, one way or the other, if he hadn't done this. The monster would not have been woken up if he hadn't done this. Yeah, everything was going fucking fine. <laughs> everything was fine. So you oh, Jim. Fuck you, Jim. A random soldier sees Varen coming and falls off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Sadly, does not do an actual Wilhelm scream, but does scream. As he falls. Mm-hmm. Varen tries to get at them in the cave. So they've hidden in the cave because in the original, the our heroes were hiding in the cave. So we can use some of the yeah. footage of, of Varen clawing at the cave. Right. But Varen passes by and here's where he says, it's all clear, little one. <laughs> Crin. But this is the first time he's called her this. So it's not clear that this was his pet name from when they were dating or whatever. He just uses this phrase out of nowhere and then doesn't use it again. So it's just not only is it condescending, it's just bad writing. But they leave the cave and get in the Jeep. Radio tells Kishi that Varen's heading to Sony Beach. 
we get a brief cut to the HQ and the all the guys sitting around the table with the map. And then we cut back to Jim and company. The canyon's no longer safe. We'll head to Oneida. Uh-huh. Varen could be headed... Well, the monster could be... Because they don't say Varen. Could be headed <laughs> anywhere. So we're going to go back to NATO. Yeah. But <laughs> I got to turn the headlights off. You guys watch the road. I'm turning the headlights off because we don't want to attract attention. But then we don't see any, you know, scene of them avoiding being detected or anything. They're just... Uh, they're trying to add some non-existent drama and tension mm-hmm. to this shitty film. <laughs> Cut to HQ and the helicopters and the fishing boat, and Varen gets the boat. This is the fishing boat from the other movie, but we don't even get the moment before of them talking about how they're having a bad catch because we can't bother translating anything. We just immediately... (sighs) Because in the original, we wanted a brief moment to establish these characters as people with lives before they get killed so that we'll care about them getting killed even though okay. it's very short there's still that that moment of humanity before they get killed but yeah. not in this version they just immediately get killed uh-huh. the headquarters stuff with no translation planes taking off uh firing missiles at Varen, and then we get the because it's one of the i guess best effect moments we do get to see Varen grabbing the, the planes. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Not in my house, son. <laughs> and more bombs and Varen taking a plane to the face. And then Jim and Kishi and Anna are listening to reports on the radio. It's an it's not a radio radio. It's an army radio, you know, a two-way radio. The monster is less than 20 miles out of Oneida Harbor. Did you think it was weird that they, like, the transition from the last scene to this scene, like, they, like, the scene literally slides across the screen. Yes. And, like, you're in a new scene, and then it slides out. Yeah, it's a, it's called a wipe. I think sometimes it really works, but it did not work in this. <laughs> the thing is, yeah, so they do a side wipe one way to this scene and then side wipe the other way back out of the scene. But they have not been using wipes in the movie up until this point. Oh, it's the only one. They just do it right here for no discernible reason. Yeah, it just did not work for me. It was like too like Scooby-Doo moment or something. I don't know. So James asks, how far are we from there? And they're 30 to 35 miles. Well, I doubt we can make it in time, but we can try. Tell the army in Oneida, I have chemical cylinders in the harbor warehouse. They can... Attach timed fuses and launch them like any other shells. So the the and the the anti saline chemical can be used to fight the monster. Why does he think that that is the case? Because the monster sat in the lake, full of the anti saline chemicals, for a full fucking day before he decided to come out and wreak havoc and have his revenge for being disturbed. Why does he think these chemicals are the thing to kill it? Uh, it just seems, I mean, he's just obsessed with his fucking anti-saline chemicals is all. And then this, uh, tell them to contact Paul Iso. He knows how to handle the chemicals. What? Why? 
Why does Paul, there's nothing, Paul, in this version of the story, Paul is a reporter. They knew each other at school, but that doesn't mean they had chemistry classes together. It certainly doesn't mean (laughs) that Paul was part of his experiment. He did mention earlier that they were filing reports from the field about these strange native ceremonies and also trying to say good things about my experiments. But apparently it didn't work because the rest of the news reporters were saying he was a cold-blooded tyrant. So this is, you know, I'm just realizing this. This is also some inappropriateness. No wonder he wanted to rescue them. Did he call Paul and Shidori to town and ask them to give him good press? You know, is he trying to use his relationship with them to get favorable coverage of his poisoning of the lake? Probably. Uh, They keep sending messages to Oneida, but they're not getting any answers. It seems the transmitter on their radio is broken. So they can still receive messages, but they can't send any. Cut to the a ship spotting Baron, and we get a mixture of stock footage and footage from the original weapons, movie. Weapons, pew pew, bang bang bang. We've seen it all yep. before, folks. Uh, the, we see the the bit with Varen hiding underwater, but the sonar finding him and dropping depth charges. Kishi says, uh, "Expect an attack on Oneida at any time. The entire city is being evacuated, and a quick." cut of the crowd running jim and kishi still trying to fix the radio and anna wants to know if the chemical will work and jim doesn't know but the dead fish indicate that it would Uh, no you're wrong jim yeah Yeah, i mean he (laughs) at night varen is approaching the city guns fire kishi tells us the monster's attacking the airport so throughout this This Okay, so the reason I think that it's being done this way is we can't actually insert these two clowns into the footage of the city being attacked. So we have to have them not be able to get to the city. So they're just going to stop and work on their radio to keep them from being in the same location as everybody else. And so we keep cutting back and forth between things happening at the airport and Kishi translating the reports coming in over the radio to tell everybody what's happening. And there's lots of guns and rockets and they're not having any effect. And then it seems like they got the transmitter fixed, but then it seems like they didn't. There's some HQ stuff and Varen is on the shore about to attack the buildings, but then we don't really see him attacking the buildings. I don't know why they didn't use that footage. Planes are shooting missiles then Kishi says, oh, I think we made contact. And James says, the parachute flares have created enough distraction to save our lives. Oh, he he claims that the parachute flares earlier created enough distraction to save us. Suggests to Oneida that they use similar flares in the delay in the uh, delaying action. But we didn't see that happen at all. Yeah, right. We didn't see any flares. The whole thing with the flares drawing him away from the cave, like in the original, I don't think we saw that happen. We did, but only a second of it. It showed like that. It shows him stepping away from the the cave, and like he takes a few steps up the mountain, 
in the first one, in the original, he takes all the steps, he goes all the way up the mountain, and then that's when he flies. But in this yeah. one, it's just a moment where he literally takes a step back, kind of takes a step away from the cave and goes up a step the mountain, and then boom, it goes to the footage of the buck. But did we actually see the flares? No. Yeah. So, And they didn't use the footage of him flying. Yeah, which I was like, come on, show me those little flaps skiing. <sighs> that was like such a big, important part, I felt like, to make him yeah. different from like Godzilla. Yeah. <sighs> Boo! We get back to the battle where it looks like he's starting to get worn down. There's lots of shooting. He tail smashes some buses. Kishi and Jim are still working on the radio, even though it seemed like they had it fixed. Then we cut to people loading up the helicopter. It takes off and drops the flares. And this time, I didn't notice this in the original, but I guess it must have happened. One of the parachutes is caught on his spines, his back spines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a plane yeah. shoots. It, it is in the original. So, yeah. Okay. A plane shoots Varen in the face. Well, I'm sure it was. I just didn't notice it. Mm-hmm. I just noticed the one that was hanging out of his mouth. A plane shoots Varen in the face. Varen knocks down a building. And the radio is definitely working. And Jim and Kishi periodically repeat the message about the chemicals in the warehouse and how Paul could put it to use. But they don't know, I guess, if they're hearing them. Then we see men getting out of cars, Varen getting pummeled. The trio listen on the radio to untranslated reports. Paul, and I think if you... I feel like the people watching this movie that hadn't, you know, back when it came out, mm-hmm. who hadn't seen the original, would be very confused about what is happening right now. Because there's a lot going on, but nothing mm-hmm. is being translated. <laughs> it's all very unclear. Yeah. But Paul and the army guys are loading up the chemicals into a box. Paul drives the truck to shore. Varen comes ashore. He drives it up to the shore, just like in the original. He drives the truck up to the edge mm-hmm. of the of the water and gets out and runs away. Varen comes ashore and Paul trips again. They blow up the truck under Varen's balls like they did the last (laughs) time. And then he crawls back into the ocean and Paul and a bunch of people watch. Yeah. And Kishi translates the radio reports from army HQ says, uh, he he says that HQ thanks us for the chemicals that stopped the beast. So in this version, I think we're meant to believe that the the anti-salinization chemicals were in the truck that they just blew up under Varen's balls. (laughs) And that was enough to drive him back into the water. And it may or may not have killed him. But we're not sure. Kishi says it appears to be dying. It crawled back into the ocean. And then goddamn Jim says, well, that's all right. Whether it's dead or alive, we won't have to worry about it. We'll always have the chemical. God damn it. That this I mean, this is his whole attitude. Yeah. Well it's it's gonna be fine now. You will have to worry about it. Because even if you have that chemical, if he comes back, he's probably gonna do a lot of damage before you're able to get the chemical. And what if he goes we've seen that he's obviously able to swim miles. What if he just surfaces somewhere else? That's miles away from your chemical warehouse. Yeah, and then the worst part, Jim's like, hey, you want to go fuck up another place? (laughs) Yeah. 
But they, is there just going to be a chem? They're still going to have a warehouse of this chemical, or are they going to have to take the time to mix some up if he shows up, you know, a year later on the coast of Guatemala or someplace? Does Guatemala have a coast? I don't know. I don't fucking know. Jim, Jim's not does. Jim doesn't care. He's not going to be yep. there. He's going to be yep. somewhere else, fucking someone else's house up. Yes. So now he tells us in voiceover, it's been three days since I ran my tests and we are ready to leave. Obake has disappeared and is presumed dead. So he's still calling it Obake. No one has called it Varen at any point. The Koshida natives continue to believe their devil monster is alive at the bottom of the lake. And he says this in a sort of condescending way. They continue to believe they were right. It yeah. wasn't a be- They didn't believe it. They knew it. It was a you fact. They were like, leave our sacred lake alone. And you did it. <laughs> Jim wants to continue his experiments in a saltwater lake in California because he has learned nothing. <laughs> they get in the car and he says more than half the Earth's surface is covered with water. I think it's more like, I mean, it is more than half, but it's a lot more than half. It's like 70, 75 percent. Yeah, like 80 percent. It's bottomless. It's I'm sorry. It's fathomless depths, uncharted, unexplored. Who can really say that Obake does not lurk somewhere in the deep, waiting for the right moment to return? It could happen. Maybe 100 years from now. Maybe tomorrow. It might even happen today. Uh... The end over the picture of the idol. Fuck you, Jim. Fuck, Fuck you. you, the director of this movie and the writer. Um, fuck you all. Sid, his name was Sid something. Yeah, I uh, I wrote it down. I said it earlier. I'm going to go back and look and say it again so I can properly say fuck you. Fuck you, Sid something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't really mean... I mean, I just like this is a piece of fucking garbage. Like, this is horrible. This is this was like uh, how much I hated. Um, what, what was it? Hollow Mountain. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. It was up there. It was up there with Hollow Mountain, I, and it made me appreciate the American version of Godzilla more. I'm gonna be mm-hmm. honest with you, because I thought that was like I was like, oh my god, how could they like this is horrible? Why didn't they just dub it? Why did they have to like? But now I'm like, well, at least at least they kept the fucking storyline. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Screenplay by Sid Harris. Fuck you, Sid Harris. Sid Harris. What the fuck, man? I'm mad at Myron Healy, too, even though it's not his fault. He's just an actor who was hired to do this. It's 1964, 62, 1962. You know, it's a bit much to expect him to say, I don't know, this script is racist. I'm not going to do it. But sure, yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything <laughs> else. Maybe, maybe I have, but I just am mad at him now for having been in it. <laughs> at the beginning, too, it said a Dallas production. Was that what is that? Is that just like the company name? Is it a Texas thing? Please, God, tell me. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that. I guess it's a film production company called Dallas. I guess so. I think if I look up Dallas Film Film Company, it's just going to tell me a bunch of names of companies that are based in Dallas. Yeah, probably. I uh, I'm going to give this one star. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um. Yeah. 
The only thing that I would say is like creative about it was how the film, the original film was cut and put into a completely different story. I thought there was some creativity in that, but uh-huh. it was bullshit. Like I, I was like, okay, wow. Like it's cool that you like saw that and took the, and, but a lot of it was bullshit. Yeah. If I, yeah. If I had to give it some, like something positive, I thought it was creative how they cut up the film kind of and placed it in weird spots. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. I'm trying to find something nice to say about it right. because it was uh, I just don't. I think I think that the producers, distributors, movie companies, whatever, I think they were wrong in thinking that Americans won't like this if there's not an American in it. Yeah. I have no way to prove that. I don't know for sure. But I think artistically, this is just a mistake and a, and a bad attitude and wrong. Of course, there are some people that just don't want to read subtitles. They'd rather it be dubbed, and that's understandable. But I, I don't see any reason not to just dub these movies rather than mm-hmm. I got to insert an American into it or no one's going to like it. Well, this wasn't even like that. Like, at least in Godzilla, that's what they did. They were like, well, we'll just put like some American storyline so Americans can be like, wee, I feel like I'm included. But this was just like, holy fuck. I can't even believe it has the same title because it should have just said yeah. loosely based off of or or inspired by Baron the Unbelievable or ripped off of Baron the yeah. Unbelievable, but called something else because... There, the, I mean, it was there was nothing there and the unbelievable about it except for the footage. Yeah, um, I don't know why they didn't call it Obaki the Lake Monster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, Obaki the Lake Monster. <laughs> Sometimes the American versions of these movies do have very different titles mm-hmm. from the original, and that's fine, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And I think even the original title might have just been Giant Monster Varen or something like that. But it's always I think it translates or something to Giant Monster Varen. But, damn it. Okay, here's the nice thing I'm going to say. Okay, sure. I did kind of like Tsuroku Kobayashi as Anna Bradley in that Mm. I didn't... I thought she gave a good performance. The character (laughs) was problematic, but I thought the actress gave a good performance. Uh I will agree with you, yeah. Because Clifford Kawada as Captain Ishii and Derek Shimatsu as Matsu do not give good performances. They are bad actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matsu oh, is I, is no Panchito. I, he isn't, but I thought that his he didn't really have much because his character, like, he didn't really have much to work with there. No, he, no, like, he his didn't. His character but was he... not really important at all. Like, there was not really a lot going <laughs> yeah. on. He was just yeah. like, I'm going to make weird fa- facial expressions and grab this broom quickly. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't know. But Miss uh, Kobayashi, I I believed her, you know. Yeah. Her sure, act, yeah. I, be- I believed her. Nice. That, well, that is a pleasant thing to say. I give it one star. One star for her. <laughs> Fuck this movie. If anybody should, against our advice, wish to watch this movie, it is on Amazon Prime, free with ads. I wouldn't be surprised if it's also on a bunch of other things, but it's definitely on Amazon Prime. A few of these movies we've watched are on everything. They're on Prime. They're on Tubi. They're on um, Pluto. I don't know. This one's on Prime. Watch it at your own risk. Don't watch it. Don't fucking watch it. 
It's garbage. Uh, we already watched it. You don't have to. If you want to watch it, at least for it to be really entertaining for you to get anything good out of it, you have to watch the Japanese version so that you can just see where the art actually came from. So that you can compare. And then so that you can... Uh, because I feel like the first one had no storyline, really. It wasn't. It was uh-huh. a lot of like circles. And there wasn't a lot of like storyline in comparison to a lot of films that we've seen where there is either too much storyline or this was one of those films. It's like the one before it, the original, there wasn't a lot of storyline and filler. This one had way too much fucking storyline and way too much filler. And it was really negative. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like you can't watch one without the other. Uh. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am not an advocate of recreational drug use. Honeybee, on the other hand, is. But... I'm bowing, but you can't tell. I am going to say that uh, if you do watch this movie, you should probably be stoned. It will help it go down <laughs> Let me just say, I did watch this movie stoned, and it did not help. <laughs> I was still pretty angry anyway. <laughs> I watched it stone cold sober. <laughs> so I I was at the height of my senses as I endured every moment of this piece of shit. Uh, I was baked like <laughs> potato. Just like what uh, is this? I'm next hungry. week we will be watching <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said. What is this? I'm hungry. Because you had the munchies because you were stoned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's such a cliche. <laughs> Next week, friends, we will be talking about the giant behemoth, which is available many places, but it does not appear to currently be available for free anywhere. When I first made up this list, I wrote Prime because I think it was sometimes things come off of the free with Prime. They're there temporarily. It is not currently free with Prime. But you can rent or buy it on all the platforms. YouTube, Apple, Vudu, Amazon, Google Play. I've seen that one before. I think I liked it, but it's been a while. I don't know. Tune in next week and find out. For now, I have been Precious D. And I have been Honeybee. Remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. Please don't misuse science. We will not see you, but you will hear us next time. On Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Monster Movie Fun Time Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg. Fun time go!